Now you probably all know the stories of Herschel Walker, Run Lindsey Run, Hobnailed Boot, Ugga the Dog, and all the other famous Georgia Bulldog football stories. But in this episode, The Crossing wants to introduce you to another Georgia legend. The second most famous resident of Cold Mountain, Georgia, Mr. Larry Kahn. Now that's all SEC defensive end from back in the day and one of Dooley's dogs, Larry Kahn, to you. So let's join the boys now as they hunker down and hear Larry's story. Take it away, Cal. Broadcasting once again from high top the world famous Doc Hawkenbill, and this is Cold Mountain Cal, along with brother Chris Cheatham with yet another stellar episode of The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. And Chris, it is hot outside here at the Doc Hawkem Palatial Studios. Well, it ain't going to be hot much longer because we've received an eviction notice. <laughs> they have asked that we leave the Doc Hawkem building. Apparently, there is great plans for the Coal Mountain area. Do you think they're going to put in a roundabout? I keep hearing there's going to be a roundabout right there. I'm telling you, we're going to sit on top of this uh, uh, billboard across the street until we'll chain ourselves <laughs> to that billboard and <laughs> until they uh, uh, pardon the Doc Hawkins building. But we'll see how that goes. But up until then, hashtag save the Doc. Save the Doc. <laughs> Meanwhile, right? we have a stellar, stellar show tonight. Fall is in the air, Cal. That can only mean one thing. And thank God. Football season is quickly upon us. And what better way to kick off the football season than a show from the crossing about football <laughs> and a local legend that we have here in our midst. Please welcome to the show, Brother Larry Kahn. Hello, man. It's good to be here. <laughs> Always good to be here. You, don't, you can see the dang... Uh, you can look out your uh, back deck at night and see the glow off that billboard, I guess, can't you? You didn't have far to go tonight. No, nah, uh, we just kind of... Eased, eased on up here. Eased up here. We could have walked if we had a bad car problem, but we're here. For those that don't know Larry, a lot of them know him by being the MC of the Oak Grove Opry or see him around Cold Mountain juking around Chris. But uh, before all that, he had a... Uh, little bit of a other legacy he left yes he did larry played for uh university of georgia in the mid 60s football um, yeah he did <laughs> he was uh defensive end that's right defensive end his years at uga but we're going to talk a little bit about his early years before he even made it to Athens and his years while he was at Athens. Oh, we're going to so, cover it all. Yeah, we're going to do what we finish. can to cover it all. We got a little surprise, too. Might try to get somebody on the phone here in a second. But uh, but anyway, let's talk about high school and where you grew up, Larry, and your first introduction Yeah, to just football. tell us. Introduce yourself. All right. I'm Larry Kahn. I grew up in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I played high school football for Greenville Senior High School. Uh, I played three years of varsity football there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, make All-State and also represent the state of South Carolina in the North Carolina-South Carolina Shrine Bowl game. And that's an accomplishment that, uh, you know, I... I really treasure, I still treasure it, and oh, yes, uh, of I went to uh, uh, the University of Georgia in 1960, in the fall of 1963, and 
during that time, the first year I was there, Johnny Griffith was a head coach. And in December of 1963, uh, they dismissed uh, Coach Griffith and they hired a guy from Auburn named Vince Dooley. Rings a bell. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, what did y'all think whenever they brought in Vince Dooley? Well, the first thing we thought of was the only Dooley we knew or ever heard of was Tom, Tom Dooley. Dooley. And, you know, we said, we, didn't, we don't know anything about a Vince Dooley, but it didn't take us long to figure out he was business, <laughs> 100% business. Uh, very regimented coach. Everything was done on time. Uh, you're never late. Uh, even when you're on the practice field, everything was timed out. And the first, uh, I guess the first practice we had was uh, in January, which really wasn't a practice because we weren't allowed to have organized practice back then. So they put us in a PE class. They call it PE 330. And so every afternoon at 3.30, we were on the field to run, exercise, and we even had a PE uh, teacher that was actually a coach, and he'd come out there, and that's how we were able. That's how it all started. That's how it all started, yeah. And, they were, and it was pretty rough. I mean, they, they worked us pretty doggone hard. So if we go back all the way to Greenville. Okay. Okay. Uh, you grew up what? Uh, three brothers? Well, there's three, three, three of you. No, there were there was a total of three of us. Okay. I had two brothers. I was the middle of three. Three boys. That's kind of what I was. Getting. That's right. Exactly. So, I know uh, y'all were all athletic. I'm sure. I knew. Yes. Um, I know Randy, your brother, and Dickie. But I knew, always knew Randy was a. Uh, he played baseball. He played baseball. He was a baseball player. Right. So did you play anything besides football coming up? Or Yeah, I played uh, basketball. Whatever was in season? Basketball. You got, you, you got asked to play basketball, didn't you? And you weren't even a basketball <laughs> that's player. Funny. That's, that's funny that you ask, Chris. Uh, in our high school, in the basement of our high school where the dressing rooms were, there was a, a place where the coaches had their offices called the training room. And I was in the training room after the last football game, and it was on a Monday. And the head coach came in, and he said, Larry, what are you doing today? I said, Coach Moore, I'm going to the Christmas parade, because it's in the early part of December. He said, you don't need to go to no Christmas parade. You need to come up and help us play basketball. I said, Coach Moore, I've never played organized basketball other than at the Y or church league. He says, well, you, you, you'll About probably, learn. he said, you probably better than what we got up there. So why don't you just forget about that Christmas parade and come on up and help us work so you out. you played high school basketball as well. Yeah. So I played basketball and it so happens that, uh, that particular year, we won the state championship. In basketball? In basketball. And you also won it in football? In football, Now, yes. that was your senior year you won the football championship? or No, my anymore? senior year, we won the football state championship in AAA, which was the highest rated classification that you had in South Carolina at the time. Um, 
that year we in 1962 we won the uh, uh, state championship in basketball. Uh, in 62 we won the state championship in football. In 63 um, we were runner up for the state championship. We got beat in the finals of the uh, state championship game and uh, thanks to me uh, they picked me out to take the last shot and I missed it. Mm. <laughs> Here's a lifesaver. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody loved it. Remember that it. commercial when they had the, ever said, they missed the free throw or something? Here, have a lifesaver. So, That's that right. That was that was before Chris's time, I'm sure, but oh, I remember yeah, it on I don't TV. Remember that. Yeah, that was it. But uh, uh, 63 was your senior year. Was my senior year. The 62 63 school year was my senior year. Yeah, I'm sure you had to go both ways. Uh, yes. And oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know. Uh, Play defensive end, uh, well, or whatever. There's a little story about that. Uh, we got time. All oh, right. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I played defensive end for the uh, first two games of the season. Uh, the third game of the season, uh, the coach told me. Coach Moore told me, who was the head coach. He told me. He said, "Larry, he said, get out there and play defensive back." I said, "Coach, I've never played defensive back." He said, "We'll teach you how." So it just so happens we were playing Spartanburg High School. Big rivalry? Uh, no, not quite as big because there was three high schools in the uh, city of, of Greenville. That was and that was who your big project. rivals were. Yeah, see, Spartanburg, I don't know where I was beat them. That wasn't too much of a problem. But anyway, <laughs> we got, the game was in and they put me at defensive back and I told Coach Moore, I says, I don't know, I've never played anything like this other than out in the backyard. And he said, Well, just get in there and we'll see what you can do. Took to so, it. Yeah. So I, liked I it. Yeah. So I went in and, um, you know, I really didn't know what to do. And he said, We'll tell you what to do. But they never said much to me. <laughs> uh, the instincts take yeah. over. <laughs> and the first time that Spartanburg punted the ball, um, I looked over at the bench and I said, Coach Moore, they're getting ready to punt the ball. What do you want me to do? He said, uh, get back there and catch the ball, run with it. And I said, I've never done that. He says, you're getting ready to do your first time. So with <laughs> You'll that. be running when you catch it, when you see a ball coming after you. That's right. And, and you, you really don't understand about like a, a receiver or uh, a punt receiver, kickoff receiver and so forth what they go through in this process and it ain't fun yeah you found out fast didn't you yeah learn on the fly on the fly is exactly what i did in that particular game uh i returned three punts and i was just totally elated i mean i i didn't really know what to do but you was liking it yeah yeah i did <laughs> i sort of liked it yeah do you and think you won state championship yeah did you do you think just playing on both sides of the ball and and those coaches is what really lit the fire to want to be to continue to play football or was it way before then? Chris, I just uh, when I was a little boy, I was a big football fan, and of course in Greenville we had Furman University that played football. Uh, Clemson was about uh, thirty five forty minutes away. 
University of South Carolina was uh, about uh, probably an hour to an hour and a half away. And uh, every Saturday, I would go to a football game. Somewhere. Somewhere. Uh, I've even gone to, uh, well, I I really grew up uh, in a house that was directly across from Serene Stadium, which was the home field of uh, Furman University. And that's where my high school played their home games. Was At in Furman? The, the one now? No, 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 no. Okay. No, this was when Furman was in downtown okay. Greenville. Gotcha. And their stadium. They're a little outside now. Yes. They're really in Traveler's Rest. Right. And uh, But I lived next door to the stadium. You could look out the uh, kitchen window. And that's what you saw was. Oh, Serena. you caught the fever early. You had all the oh, pomp yeah. and circumstance going on, and just exactly from everything from start to finish. Exactly, and uh, on Thursday nights, uh, Sterling High School, which was the black high school in Greenville, they played in Serene Stadium. On Friday night, Greenville High, the Red Raiders played. On Saturday night, Furman would have played. And, you know, this was an ongoing thing all season long. A lot of times it didn't coordinate like it normally does. But if there was a ball game going on, you were I was there. there. I was there. And I made it uh, a little habit that uh, I didn't pay to get in. I knew how to get in through, <laughs> the, f- <laughs> through the fence and at times. I'm sure you wasn't the only one. <laughs> oh, no, no, but... Uh, this friend of mine that I ran around with, his name was John Knight, and he and I knew how to get into the ball game. Whether it was one night we read it, we rode a drink truck in, and we just jumped just on whatever the, it took. Just jumped on the side of it and rode it in the gate. It's like a Norman Rockwell painting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one one night I was going over the fence, and somebody come by and hollered, "Cops coming!" and grabbed me by the side of the breeches and pulled me and tore my pants just about off of me. Of course, my mother wasn't real happy about no. that when I got home, but I got in the game. So you had all these teams that were playing around. You got South Carolina, you got Clemson, you got Fireman, but you ended up at UGA. Yeah, you told me that Clemson or South Carolina never even gave you the time of day pretty much during her. How did the whole recruiting process go? The recruiting was, uh, I, I started getting recruited whenever I was a junior in high school, and I got letters from the different teams and so forth. And then my senior year started, and uh, uh, I got a lot of people to ask about me and so forth. And uh, after the third game, after the Spartanburg game, which was the third game, uh, this coach from Clemson named Whitey Jordan, he was an end at, at Clemson and played, and I watched him play, and he's one of my favorite players. Well, Whitey comes to the high school, and uh, he comes down into the dressing room, and uh, he comes over where I was, and he said, Larry, he says, I'm Coach Whitey Jordan from uh, Clemson. And, you know, I told him, you know, hello, and I knew who Whitey Jordan was. Of course. Oh, yeah. You didn't want to play your cards too fast. That's right. That's exactly right. And he says, this right here is a scholarship to Clemson. And he says, I want you to take it and just put it on your mantle. I know you can't sign it now, but just put it on your mantle, and I want you to look at it every day. 
And Shady devil. Yeah. <laughs> and he said. They had their ways. That's right. And he says, we want you to come to Clemson and be a Clemson Tiger. Well, right then, you know, as he walked away, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. Here I am, where I've always wanted to go. I loved Clemson football as a little boy. And I remember, you know, they talk about the rug that they walked down. Mm -hmm. Even today, I remember when they put that thing out there the first time. And it was given to Clemson by a company called Wanda Weave. Because Greenville was noted for the carpet business. Yep, yep. And I've sat beside that rug or touched the rug, and I was always there early enough to where I could watch him walk down that rug. And, you know, I always wanted to say, gosh, I want to do that. I would love to do something like that. So Wiley Jordan gave me the opportunity to do it. And all he said, you got to do is put your name on this thing. When it you're, comes time. When it comes time, you're a Clemson Tiger. So you got the offer from Clemson. Got the offer from Clemson. And then, uh, of course, University of South Carolina was recruiting me, you know, very hard as well. Uh, Clemson was in the ACC, and so was South Carolina. And I don't know. Uh, it really got big as far as the uh, scholarship was concerned was uh, whenever I went to the Shrine Bowl game in Charlotte. Had a good game. Well, yeah, I had a good game. And uh, there, when we would practice, the sidelines would be covered with coaches coming to talk to us, speak to us, you know, and just be nice to us. And uh, NC State was another school that, recruited me pretty heavily and you know i i just i really didn't know where i wanted to I go i started to say here you are 17 probably 17 i guess mm-hmm. and everything coming at you just wide open wide every direction open. exactly and you never experienced anything like That's that right. and not had a lot of anybody probably anybody that you did know that went through that close that close you're right yeah exactly I, i'd never known anybody that had the experience of uh, being recruited uh, now my oldest brother was recruited some right but uh he was recruited mainly by Furman and walford and uh, some of the smaller schools presbyterian college uh, locals. In, in locals exactly so was you getting any pressure from randy or dickie about what school to go to no they they kind of you know, let me go, you know, the way I wanted to go. And Randy would always ask me, he says, where are you thinking about going? I said, I don't know. I ain't telling you anyway. <laughs> Be the last person you tell. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> tell your brother. You know, it, it, <laughs> tell it, everybody. it went on. And uh, uh, I, one of the assistant coaches who was a very, very close friend and was until he passed and uh he told me he said larry he says uh if you're interested in the university of georgia the head coach down there johnny griffith is a very good personal friend of mine and i'll be glad to uh put in a word put in a word i'll call him and talk to him and just tell him that you know you're up here and that uh we'll be glad to send him some film of you and so he called Coach Griffith, and uh, Coach Griffith said, you know, send some film down here and let us look at it. Well, about three days later, uh, 
Coach Phillips comes to me and he says, uh, Larry, uh, Coach Griffith wants you pretty bad at Georgia. And uh, they've scheduled a, a trip for you to come down there so they can see you and talk to you. And I said, okay. So my dad loaded me up in the car and sent me down there. And he said, uh, son, he said, it's, it's up to you. Where you want to go is entirely up to you. Well, being a cocky little shit like I was, I told myself, I said, you know, uh, the ACC is, is pretty rough teams in it, but I said, Lord of mercy, Georgia is, that's the SEC, that's the top notch. Yep. And I said, I'd love to just see if I'm good enough to play there. So nothing much has changed since no. 1964. <laughs> that's right. SEC still, still top. a powerhouse that's along right. with other ones. That's right. And I decided to sign with Georgia, so I signed with Georgia. And uh, when it came out in the paper that I had signed with Georgia, uh, this friend of mine that uh, went to Clemson, and he was a couple of years older than I was, and I did play one year high school ball with his name was Alton Budden. And he said, Con, that night I ran into him at the local hangout. Right. And uh, he said, come in, let me tell you something. I said, all right. So I go over there, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to make it just as plain as I can make it. He said, you going to Georgia. And I'm telling you right now, those people play for keeps down there. And he went to Clemson. He played at Clemson. He was playing at Clemson at that time. He knew how the operation was. So, you know, so. yeah. So I don't I, guess you had no like, big pomp and circumstance. It wasn't like Larry Conn here at the table with a South Carolina Clemson and a Georgia hat shuffling no. dice and pulling the bulldog out of the hat or nothing, was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> What'd you do? Just sign it, put it in the envelope, and mail it off? Well, no, I went. I went to Athens. You could sign there. I signed when I when I went to Athens. I signed there, and that was it. Coach Did you call Whitey and tell him? No, I, I didn't call Whitey and tell him. I, I let him find out the best way he could. And uh, Larry Kahn headed Athens. Yeah. Uh -huh. And all right, folks, you heard that part of it. I think the worm's about to turn though, because once we get to Athens, things are about to change. We'll be right back. Segment two, Larry Kahn, Brother Chris Cheatham, producer Steve Thompson, who I forgot to mention. I can't believe I did that. <laughs> I'll edit myself in I'm just I, I, I'm aggravating. Right, I'm just aggravating him because he <laughs> took off this weekend on us on a road trip without us. Well, so we'll be right back. If you hadn't parked on my grass out in front of the Doc Hawkham building, yeah, nah, he's not parking on his grass. <laughs> I'm a celebrity. I got celebrity <laughs> status over here. We'll be right back after a word from our fine sponsors. You're listening to The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Come see us at Pete's Castle in Coal Mountain. Get yourself some hoop cheese or salty fish right out of the barrel. Or fill her up with some fresh petrol, regular and ethyl. Lance crackers are good cold knee high. Don't forget to try your luck out on a punch board. New ones every week. Located on Highway 9 in Coal Mountain. That's Pete's Castle, where the customer is the king. Come in to Jan's Jeans for all your needs in today's fashions. Specializing in Jordache and Gloria Vanderbilt and my favorite, Calvin Klein. Jan's Jeans can fit you in a pair today. 
And for Yallian's cowgirls, we even carry them form-fitting wranglers. Stop by and see us at Jan's Jeans, Spot Road in Coal Mountain, Forsyth County, Georgia, U.S. of A. There's no gas wars in coming. We've got the best prices in town at $49.9 a gallon at Martyr Oil. Two locations to serve you. Marlar Oil Number 1 at Highway 19306 or on the south side of Marlar Oil Number 2, Highway 19 and 141. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick detour. Uh, Producer Steve says we have a mystery caller calling in, so we usually don't take these. Actually, it's the first call we've ever had it's on our podcast. It's the first one we've, so. ever, we've ever allowed. This is a big event. Uh, mystery caller, please state your name and uh, your uh, affiliation with Mr. Larry Kahn here. Uh, my name is Tommy Lohorn, and I was a teammate of Larry in the 1960s. Oh, my gosh. We've got some stories to tell then, don't we, sir? <laughs> we do. We do. We I'm really ready. appreciate you joining us tonight. It was uh, We were trying to effort you, and I'm like, I hope we can get a hold of him because I think uh, it'll be great. But, uh, Larry, won't you go ahead and tell the folks about Tommy before we get started? Lohorn, you really want me to tell them the truth? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'm so glad this is verbal because Larry can't read and write. <laughs> Longhorn, you're the greatest. You are by far the greatest and my hero. So y'all came in at the same time? No, darling. Uh, he's, he's one, Larry's one year ahead of me, but it seems like he's about 20 years ahead of me. Longhorn, you still love me, buddy. <laughs> so, uh, Tommy, for the folks out there that'll be listening, uh, your position was linebacker, correct? All right. Uh-huh. Were you on the uh, same side as Larry? I think I read to where you were. I think Some. so. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. got all his scraps. <laughs> Whatever he left you, you, you cleaned up. Uh, well, I'm, I was doing all the cleaning up because he never tackled me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, let's go down memory road right quick. Let's talk about... Uh, the 66 season, which was, uh, I, in my opinion, one of y'all's best teams y'all had when y'all were playing together. That's correct. Tommy, you agree? Yeah, that was, that was we had, uh, uh, actually, the 67 team probably had a better team, but we weren't, we weren't, we weren't uh, organized enough to, to, to do it. We lost a couple of games, two games by one point, and, but, uh, but the '66, we won the conference, and that that was, by definition, our best success. And that was Coach Dooley's first SE championship. Yeah, and Larry was sharing that that Dooley was pretty laxed, you know, as far as getting to practice on time and that kind of thing. Just get there when you can get there. <laughs> right. If if you were late, you just you'd run so much you couldn't breathe, or so you you wouldn't be late again. I've heard the story that if the meeting was at 10.30, he locked the door at 10.25 and you were late after that. Is that about right? Well, I don't remember that specifically, but <laughs> he was, he, was uh, uh, he wanted you to be on time and uh, time was important. Exactly, Tommy. It was, you know, everything was timed, even practice. Each group had a particular time to practice and when the horn went off, you stopped what you were doing and changed over. Right. And we went through some pretty rough times in some of those practices, especially with our position coach that uh, really put us through the mill. And I, I know you remember as well as I do that it uh, 
Coach Pippen was pretty tough, and uh, we appreciate every time we went out on the field for a ball game he had us ready. Coach Pippen? Yeah, Jim. Was that P- Jeff Pippen's dad? Jeff Pippen's daddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then. Yeah, he was a hard nosed coach, but he was a good coach. He was. He was. He's very fair, and uh, I thought a lot of Coach Pippen, and I know you did as well. And uh, he was good to us, but. Uh, Still, we had had some rough times in there, and uh, of course, you and I know some secrets that uh, I don't really want to disclose, but uh, I will, uh, just like uh, the Pinky call. Tell them about Pinky. That's what I want to hear, something good like that. About Pinky? Yeah, tell them about Pinky. Well, in the Pinky would. As best I remember, it was the Houston game. We played out in Houston. And uh, uh, we, we were ahead 14-7 to 7 in, in late in the fourth quarter. And, and they <clears throat> they scored on a long touchdown pass and went for two, you know, to, to, to win. And we would call up and the quarterback would <clears throat> keep the ball or hand it off or flip it back to to the tailback you know, when they came our way and and when I was going to take the quarterback I would I would say uh, Pinky and uh, no, so no. would take the take the take the, the running back. You well, were to say a color a color was the key and uh, in my damn thoughts pink is not a damn color in a football <laughs> game. <laughs> That's what Irk said. He said, you know, better just say pinky on the football team. Yeah. But anyhow, it was my fault. I didn't say it loud enough. And and Larry and I both hit the quarterback and knocked his teeth out. But the only problem that he didn't have the ball, he took it out to the the tailback. He didn't run across the field or run across the line. He walked across the line. Yep, you're right. And uh, to this day, I can... It still haunts me, Tommy. I don't know about you, but uh, y'all didn't even look. Y'all didn't even look to the sideline when that play was no, over, did you? Oh, uh, absolutely not. And I really didn't want to go to the sideline, but you had to. <laughs> Tommy, we don't want to keep you long. Give us your co- uh, thoughts on Coach Russell while we're talking about him. Uh, well, Coach Russell was a, he was a great, great uh, motivator. Uh, he when <clears throat> he. He worked the devil out of you, but he really cared about his players. And and uh, uh, even though you know he was going to work you to death, you know he was he he cared he cared about you. And he, and, uh, he was a great motivator. I hated he left. He had to, you know he left the university and went down to and was very successful at Georgia Southern. Got their program going, but we 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 missed him in Athens. Still hard to believe he's not in the uh, Hall of Fame. I can't fathom why that does, has not occurred yet. But I agree. I agree 100%. And, he uh, seems to me uh, like he may have been. If Dooley was a disciplinarian and the general, Irk was kind of like your fun uncle kind of maybe. He was. He kept you in line, but he, he knew what was going on, I think, did he? Oh, yes. He oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that's, that's kind, of the, kind of the dream team of coaching, I that's guess, right. whenever, y'all were, whenever y'all were playing. I mean, that was... That was the best. That was the top. <laughs> that's, that's funny, uh, Tommy. The, whenever Coach Dooley uh, first signed at Georgia, 
uh, we were there, and of course I told them that uh, the only Dooley we'd ever heard of was Tom Dooley at the time. And uh, <laughs> and whenever we started looking at the assistant coaches and we got to Coach Russell's name, and we said, uh, this this Russell coach, he come, he's, he's a defensive coach from Vanderbilt. And we looked at each other and said, hell, Vanderbilt ain't never beat nobody. <laughs> Still ain't. Y'all all grew up together, didn't you? Oh, yeah. All yeah. the way through that. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, we were, I mean, I, Tommy, I, I can say this from the bottom of my heart. We were a very tight-knit team. Family. And we loved each other just like we do brothers. And still do. And, yeah, that's a, that's a um, made friendships that have lasted a lifetime. It's that's a, right. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And every time I look on my email and I see uh, an email from uh, the Letterman's Club, I just kind of cringe just to uh, know it's going to be somebody. Hope it's that, good news. Yeah, we hope Not it's good news. news. But when it's bad news, it hurts, doesn't it, Tommy? It does. Sure. It does. We've lost a few guys. And as we get older, we lose more. Oh that's, yeah, that's see, you, you're 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 ten years older than I am. That's that, that's 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 correct. He's held back a couple of years. <laughs> hey, I want to ask y'all one more quick question about that '66 season. Y'all were ten and one. You lost to Miami seven to six. That's right. Correct. Take me back through that game. What do you remember about that game? Y'all played a heck of a game defensively and. They just kind of shut you down offensively, it looked like. Exactly. And, well, you, Tommy, you remember uh, Sellers intercept that pass and takes it down, what, to the 12, 13-yard line, and uh, Edder misses the field goal. And Edder... It's a bad snap, but he missed the, he missed the field goal yeah, right before the half. Yes. And uh, that's another... And the touchdown that... that, that uh, Miami scored. It was on fourth and one from the one yard line, and we let him. We let the guy get in. Yeah. So we had, but we had, you know, obviously had a chance to win the game. You know, Bobby Edder was a great kicker, but and uh, it was about a 25, 30 yard field goal. That's right. It was a bad snap. He got it. Got it. Didn't get it down good. He hit it wrong. And, just and, didn't work uh, out. We, we missed we missed the field goal right before that. Right, exactly. So I saw on that, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but the week before y'all played on Saturday, y'all turned around and played Miami on a Friday night. Friday night. Did that yeah. mess up your? You think that had anything to do with not, messing up your schedule or anything? Too much. No, no. You no. Know, Miami always they played a lot of games on Friday night. Really? Uh, that was tradition for my from my from Miami. They they. They played on Friday nights, not not infrequently, but uh, uh, but I don't think you know one one day didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't. It bother us. As a matter of fact, it's just one less practice we had to go to. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that game that would that basically kept you out of being a national championship. Yeah, because Notre Dame wouldn't play in a bowl. That's right. And no. Michigan State wouldn't play in a bowl. Michigan State either played in the Rose Bowl or they stayed at home. Yeah, so and, they 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 held their position, and then right. Alabama and held we, theirs a third. And Tommy, you remember we wanted to play Alabama. We hoped that we could play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, but you know the uh, 
SEC official says, no, you need to go to a bowl. Georgia needs to go to a bowl, and Alabama needs to go to a bowl for, for the, the revenue. Revenue. Exposure and revenue. And uh, we got the Cotton Bowl, and Alabama got the Sugar Bowl. Is that right? That's right, isn't it, Tommy? I don't remember who, where, where Alabama played, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They pl- you remember they played Nebraska in the Sugar Bowl and beat the living hell out of them. Yeah, and y'all beat SMU pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, we took took care of SMU pretty well. But that was, <laughs> you know, it just so happens that that was just kind of an off year for the Southwest Conference, which had all the Texas teams in it, and SMU had a pretty good team that year. They must year. have go to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, so we got to play a pretty good team in it. SMU, but we we also had a pretty good time down in Dallas, didn't we, Tommy? <laughs> well, I didn't. I just I went into curfew. But a lot of a lot of guys like Con, uh, you know, he he didn't come in to about three o'clock in the morning. You had to keep them straight. You had to be the uh, face of the uh, organization, didn't you, Tommy? Oh yeah, Tommy right. was that way. Yeah, Tommy he he Tommy would always come down to my room and we'd study every night together. <laughs> yeah, that's how he got Love to be valedictorian. Wasn't he copied yeah. all your stuff? I guess didn't he? Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I helped him out. I tutored him a lot. To, well, uh, speaking of that, I mean, Tommy must have done a lot of studying. You want you're you're a doctor now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, well, they say I'm a doctor. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very good. He slept my holiday in last night. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry was tutoring you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all had y'all got memories. I, I want to see the book when it comes out. Y'all got to write one for you. That, wee, that'd be rough, wouldn't it, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we could get it published. <laughs> I, oh, I think you'd get it published just fine. Well, Tommy Lawhorn, we really, really appreciate you calling in tonight. I think Larry got a kick out of it, and he was very surprised. Very surprised, Tommy. We know you're busy, and we really appreciate it. Thank you, Tommy. Cold Mountain Egg Farm is your one-stop shop for all your egg needs. We got grade A large, grade B large, and can't be too large, can you now? All right, now, that's Cold Mountain Egg Farm. So y'all stop in, pick you up a flat or two. Cold Mountain Egg Farm, in the heart of Cold Mountain, right next to the ball field. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports League. Go ahead. Like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports League. Looking for affordable propane prices and the best service? No worries. Call Mills Fuel Service today for fast, courteous service that will have your tank filled and ready for the cooler temperatures. Mills Fuel Service has dedicated over 50 years of service to North Georgia, providing clean, efficient propane at affordable prices. Tank rentals are available. Three locations to serve you in Dawsonville, Cumming, and Delonica. Call them today, 706-265-3394. Mills Fuel Service, for all your LP gas services. All right, we are back. We're sitting here with uh, Larry Kahn, football legend of the University of Georgia. Um, and my father-in-law, by the way, 
Um, so I kind of had it in. Not, not a hard to get him in here. We've been here. Uh, I had to go pick him up. Five minutes. He didn't even got on to you for nothing yet. I'm, I'm really impressed. Well, I'm the favorite. Oh, okay. And, um, and so <laughs> that's I'm still just, impressed. just how it is. I'm still so, impressed. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, we are back. My name is Chris Cheatham. I got my buddy Calvin Hurd sitting there. Steve Thomason in there, keeping the the knobs spinning and the beavers grinning. <laughs> So let's um, let's get back into uh, our conversation with Larry. Larry, you're in Athens now, and uh, Coach Dooley is your coach. Not yet. No. Not to you. Well, your second year at Georgia. Second year. That's correct. Dooley takes over as coach there, and and things are really moving as far as your involvement with the uh, the football program. That's right. Because first year, tell how the first year, freshman year worked back then those days. The freshman team uh, was a team by itself. Only freshman football players, you know, were, were on the team. We had a schedule. We played, we played four games. Played Clemson, played Auburn, played Florida, and then of course the annual Thanksgiving Day game with Georgia Tech in Grand Field. And you know that that was it. The the uh, varsity team uh, had their schedule, and uh, we were there to help them during practice because they needed dummies to, to walk hit on. on. Well, <laughs> hit on and walk on and off the field, and have to drag them off. <laughs> so that's that's what we did for you know the the year as a freshman was. We just got oriented by scrimmaging the, the Welcome varsity. Welcome to the SEC. I guess they figured if you made it through there. They'll they'll keep you. Oh yeah, and they were they were real real hard on us at first because you know that's just the way it was. We always had a rat court, and at the rat court, uh, the uh, they would introduce all the freshmen, and the varsity would be s circled around them, and when they introduced the uh, freshmen. Uh, if one of the varsity players knew him and uh, wanted him as a little brother, they said, he's mine. They're well, like an indentured servant. That's right. That's <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, it was a bit of a hazing. I mean, it, you, it was right. kind of a fraternity. It was. It was. You it, didn't have it was, to... a, it was. It was just like the fact that it was a brotherhood. Believe me, it was a brotherhood. But they got to break you down to build you back up. That's right. Because everybody's coming in cocky. Thinking they're a little that's bit right. better than they are, I bet. Exactly, and and that's that's what they did. And after you had rat court, um, and of course, being the only person from South Carolina, and most people had never heard of the state of South Carolina. So most of them boys were from Georgia. The majority of them were from Georgia. There was a lot of uh, there were uh, there were a lot of guys from uh, up north, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and that general area. Uh, and they How did were, they find them? Uh, there was a uh, internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying, man. There yeah. wasn't no internet. There wasn't. I mean, you're talking about your tapes got mailed down to Athens. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, there, recruiting recruiting had to be tough back then. It was. It was because it's one on one, and uh, you would just have to uh, depend on alumni to. Uh, contact you about somebody in a town uh we had a coach his name was sam mervis and he was from pennsylvania and he knew about uh pennsylvania know how he recruited that area 
and uh, those guys came down, and I've never seen people so unhappy in my life. Uh, most of them didn't even stay, and uh, there were several real good football players that says if they let me go home Christmas, I'll never see Get Athens back. again, and they didn't. They didn't come back. Just because of how tough it was? I mean, as far the, the, as the yeah, practice the and working out and everything else. Yeah, and it's t it's tough on a kid to to leave home. Yeah, and go down there and go through what you have to go through with football, and never get to go home. Now, yeah, if you so. wanted to go home, how'd you get home? Hitchhiking. <laughs> Many times you said I called it land, sea, and air. You say. Whatever will get me home. Land me a ride. <laughs> Did you ever cut it close getting back to practice? No. No. Because, you know, see, if I, if I went you home... You when you needed to leave, didn't you? Yeah, well, see, I never got to go home during spring practice or during the season. Never. Um, Mom and Dad come down to Athens often? Just to the ball games. Home games. So they you would, didn't have to worry about getting back in time to practice? Because you just no, stayed no, there no, the whole time. No. Which was a lot. Oh, yeah. See, I, I left Greenville on the 28th of August, and I didn't even get back until Thanksgiving night. That was the next time I got home to Greenville. And for somebody that wasn't accustomed to being gone from home very long... It's fish out of water. Oh, I, I mean, several times I'd look up in the sky and I'd say, Lord, is this the rest of my life? Tell us about the first day when you throw them pads on. You get your first SEC lick thrown on you. Man. Well, we went over to the Coliseum, and from the dorm, I lived in Reed Hall, which is right behind the stadium. And it's probably a good mile and a half, two miles to the Coliseum, and that's where the practice fields were. And back then, a freshman could not have a car on campus. So we had to walk over to uh, the Coliseum to practice. And, you know, nobody had a car until the varsity came back. And when the varsity came back, then you could hitch a ride over there. But most of the time, it was easier to get a ride back than it was over there. Get there. Because, see, they stayed in a completely different dorm than we did. So we, did, we didn't really mingle a whole lot except at practice with the, the varsity players. Now, did you stay at, did you live in Reed Hall the whole time you were at Georgia? Or did you, no, 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 no. The no. first year when just I was the first, first year. Just the first Reed year. Yes. Then, after, then, let's say sophomore on, where'd you live? Lipscomb Hall. And then uh, my last year in 67, uh, I got to move over to McWhorter Hall and live one quarter in McWhorter Hall, and then I was off and running. <laughs> so you had that freshman year, and you were—he was telling me I think it was uh, maybe it was when y'all played the baby jackets. I think they call them for that Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, they sent yeah. y'all down there with a peanut butter sandwich. Mm -hmm. Then didn't you all have to come back and then practice after that game? Was it that game you were telling me about? Uh. <laughs> No, we came back and practiced. Uh, we ha we played Clemson and Auburn okay. in Sanford Stadium. Played Florida and Tech away. 
um, after the Florida game, and they, they thumped us pretty good. Uh, we came back, and uh, we always had to practice. We play on Saturday. We'd have to practice on Sunday. I mean, that was just a given. Um, even when we got up to the varsity, that was what we had to do. We had to get up early Sunday morning, go and practice, but would be finished practice in time for us to get ready and go to church. Okay. And that was, you know, one thing. That, a lot of practicing. Oh, yeah. It was seven days a week. And, uh, and you go over uh, to the to the practice fields and uh, you had to be in a classroom at 3.30. And they were, well, excuse me, at 3 o'clock. And you go from 3 until about 7 or 7.30. And you went and ate supper after that. So it was usually 8, 30, 9 o'clock, even before you got back to your dorm. Um, and that was on Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Thursdays, uh, you probably got back to the dorm by 8 o'clock. And Friday, you better have your butt home in the dorm and in the bed by 9.30. They didn't send you all to a hotel on Friday nights like they do no. nowadays? No, <laughs> Lord, no. Not like they do now. Yeah. Even at home games. Oh, exactly. Especially home games, I'm guess. But. And uh, one of the funniest things that happened uh, to me was uh, when I was a sophomore, the first year that I actually played. Uh, nationally, we opened up with Alabama, and uh, they were picked to be national champions, and they they did end up being the national champion that year. And we played the first game against Alabama. And, of course, I was just, I mean, I was a nervous wreck. And uh, somebody came in the dorm about, uh, it was about 2.30 3 o'clock in the morning and screamed, roll tide. And I come out of the bed just like somebody had just let <laughs> a rubber band loose. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, is it time? <laughs> I was, uh, we were talking in, in the break, I noticed on, I was watching that game film and uh, half Alex, a lot of Alabama's players had on white helmets when the rest of them had on those crimson colored helmets and you were explaining why that was. Coach Bryant, uh, we were wearing a red helmet. It's the first, well, the second year that Georgia ever worn a red helmet and Coach Bryant wanted all the receivers in a different colored helmet so the quarterback could see him because Alabama did a lot of throwing. And uh, that's the reason they had on the white helmets. Only the receivers, anybody was eligible to catch a pass, had on a white helmet. Just so he didn't get them mixed up with the Georgia helmets. That's right. Now, speaking of the Georgia helmets, okay. you've told me this story before. <laughs> During your years at Georgia is when the helmet changed to the Green That's Bay right. G. That's right. That's tell, tell us about how that how that came to be and, and your involvement with the selection. Well, uh, Coach Dooley, when he came, uh, of course, he never said anything to us about it, but uh, he wanted to change the uniform look because Georgia had always worn a, a gray, solid gray helmet, red jerseys and silver bridges or gray pants and coach Dooley wanted to you know modernize it a little bit 
So uh, the first spring practice we had, uh, there were, I guess, probably maybe five or six different types of helmets out with some of the guys were wearing and uh, they had the red helmet they had a uh, white helmet uh, they had the uh, silver helmet uh, they had it decorated differently uh, the white helmet uh, kind of resembled Auburn a lot because that's where Vince went to school and that's where he was coaching when he came to Georgia and so in spring practice that year, uh, a guy named Frank Lankwitz, who was the fullback, and I were standing on the sidelines during a scrimmage, and Coach Dooley came up to Frank and I and said, y'all come with me. And I looked at Lankwitz, and he looked at me, and I said, in trouble. You you I said what the hell have we done, Lankwitz? And he said, <laughs> I don't know. So he said, follow us. So we went up into the stadium, and we went up about – 35 rows, 30, 35 rows. He said, guys, sit down with me a minute. And we thought, oh, something's going to happen now. <laughs> and so he said, now, you see the different helmets out there? And we said, yes, sir. He says, which helmets do y'all prefer? Well, Frank and I looked at each other, and we both said we like the red helmet with the white stripe on it and the Green Bay G on it. I said, that's what we like. He says, that's all I need to know. And that's all was said about it until we got to Tuscaloosa that night and uh, walked into the dressing rooms, and there the red helmets sat. Really? Yeah, exactly. Didn't he kind of alter them a little bit, the G, just to face them just a little bit forward where they wouldn't be identical to that Packer? I thought I read that somewhere, maybe. Well, uh I read I read not long ago uh, about the uh, the Green Bay G and they actually the athletic director Coach Eves Joel Eves, Joel Eves. yeah he actually contacted Green Bay and he asked them for permission to use that G on our helmets and they said you know told him how we were going to use it and they said it was fine. And, Gosh, if they'd only thought like, oh yeah, if we get a little kick out of that, little kickback money for the rest <laughs> of the In this day and time, it would kill it. It never would have happened. No, That's what, right. What would happen or they had yeah. had some kind of contract on it to get money out of it as well. And see, Georgia owns the trademark for that. So they were smart enough once they it caught on to go and get a trademark on it. So they own the trademark yeah. for that G. You won't, you won't hear stuff like that on Paul Harvey. There's your rest of the story. Yeah, that is, that is the story. Yeah, the story. Now that you know, folks. Now you know. Now you see, know even story. when we got to uh, Tuscaloosa, we had white pants with a black stripe up the side. And that was the pants for, um, I guess, 10, 12 years. And then they changed the stripes around a little bit and... Uh, they went back to the silver and put the red and black and white stripe on it, which is a sharp-looking uniform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, the helmets never changed. So you're rolling in sophomore year, starting to play. Played Alabama. Yeah. And then, then you went to Michigan. 
Well, we was played it? Alabama at home, and then the next week we played Vanderbilt at home. So we had never been away from you home. Hadn't been, you hadn't been on a road game yet. Right. And one of the biggest coliseums at biggest the time, Biggest venues probably. at the time, yeah. And see, the thing about it, I had dreaded that day all summer long. You had a lot of uh, inhibitions to have to get conquered, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I really did. And, you know, Michigan was the type of team that, uh, you know, you hear about. You never see them play or... You know, anything like that. A lot like of that. legend. A lot of legend behind it. Folklore, the uh, biggest stadium in the United States for college football or football period at the time. And <clears throat> the third game, we get on our little Southern Airways DC-3s and uh, we fly to Knoxville and have to stop and fill up. <laughs> 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 that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. Now, did you ever flown b- much before then? I uh, I had flown a little when I was being recruited. I know. So I bet you some of them country boys on that team was like scared to death. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then uh, on top of that, they're going to Michigan. That's right. And they always carried two planes. They'd carry the uh, starting. If you were a starter, they would take all of the bowlers were going to play. And then they took the scabs and put them on the other plane. And uh, the, the Martin, what, 303 or something like that, uh, that's what we flew on. Now, the first year when I was a red shirt, uh, I went on all the games. I went to every game. Um, we, we flew on a DC-3. That's the one where the tail is on the ground. You have to pull yourself up to the seat. <laughs> These ain't no jets either. Uh, no. These they, are twin-engine glorified propellers. Dusters. That's right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. The Martin four four with Martin four four is the plane, and uh, it would only hold uh, about thirty-seven people. And see, we you they would only travel with about uh, fifty to fifty-five players, and then the coaches and so forth were on there. So we're pushing it. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll never forget when we went to the Liberty Bowl. Uh, it was unbelievable how foggy it was that day, and we took off from Ben Epps Field in Athens, Georgia. That's where we took off and landed. And we took off, and we got up in the sky. They got up above the clouds, and you looked down, you couldn't see nothing. Couldn't see anything. Well, on the way to Memphis, uh, the word got around that something had happened to the other plane. We said, oh, hell, it's done crashed. <laughs> I said, who was on it? What guys are on it? <laughs> who we got? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it hadn't. It had, it had, had uh, they stopped for fuel. And uh, somebody got word that they had gone down. I thought, oh, Lord of mercy. And this is no kidding. You could not see the end of the wing. It was so, so foggy. foggy. And you could not see the ground. I did not see the ground until the wheels actually hit the ground. And you could see the ground, and that was it. There ain't no liquor cart coming up and down the aisle either. No. <laughs> Lord of mercy, no. <laughs> Even though we wished there was. Yeah. 
Now, so you, you look back at all the games that you played when you were at Georgia. What's the biggest game? Cotton? Um, the one that holds the greatest memory. Uh, gosh, I don't know, Chris. They all, you have memories of every one of them. And uh, uh, it's just, I don't know. Uh, it's like picking kids, ain't it? They're it, all, it really they're all is. A blessing. They're special. Yeah, every one of them has their own little ingredient that makes right. it special yeah, over the other. Exactly. And just like uh, probably we're talking about the Michigan game, uh, that's something that uh, there's not many people can talk about in the South of, yeah, of going to Michigan yeah. Stadium. And did, you, did you have a good game? Do you remember pretty much how that went? Or? Uh I can tell you a funny story. Oh, wow, that's, that's what we've been waiting on while we're here. We were at Michigan, and uh, Michigan, uh, it's the first time I'd ever played, or Georgia really never played against a black, and Michigan had black athletes. And uh, they had a running back, and uh, he was pretty swift and uh, very elusive. And uh, they ran a play in the first quarter. And um, he and I hit head on, and I mean, I grabbed him, and the next thing I knew, he jumped straight up in the air out of my arms and ran about 40 yards for a touchdown, and all I saw was his behind going down the sidelines. Sounded fast, didn't he? Yes, he he was (laughs) fast, and uh, we were lucky there. There was a penalty. There's a holding penalty on it, and uh, they brought it back. And, uh, it wasn't on you, though, was it? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't grab nothing. I didn't, I didn't hold him tight enough. But to see, later on in the second quarter, they run the same play, and the same running back came right at me, and I says, he won't do this again. So when I hit him, I grabbed him, and I could actually feel meat in my hands where I had a hold on him. And the defensive back behind me, his name was Doug McFalls, and he was tough. And he came, and he hit that young man, and it sounded just exactly like somebody shot a firecracker off in my ear. I says, that pop was yeah. just so bad. And from then on, it was all over. We had Michigan, and we just... Wore them down. Wore them down. They, the, the guy that played in front of me, the tight end that played in front of me, weighed 240 pounds, and he was about 6'3". And I looked on the, I looked on these rosters today, and, and uh, you're going, it said 183. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. You weighed 183? He weighed one, a defensive weighed, end in the SEC, and he weighed 183. 183. And the linebackers behind him were like 180. Yeah, Lawhorn didn't, Lawhorn didn't weigh that much. Yeah, you had him beat by three pounds, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right for Calv. That's right, baby. And this, but, but, but once that Michigan game rolled, you like, I can do this. Yeah, exactly. After the Michigan game, we all snowballed. we all just said we just actually outquicked them, and that's that's what SE foot C football was built around: quickness and speed. And, I mean, it's just like Alabama. When they came in in 65, they had tackles that weighed 175, 180, guards that weighed less than 160 pounds. But, golly, bum is like ants on a dead burn hill of sugar. They were everywhere. I mean, they had hit you so quick and so fast, and they would come off of you and hit and somebody. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> 
I mean, that's that's what all SEC football was built around in the mid '60s. I'm gonna like, suit up now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see that. You would think of firecracker. Yeah, be your hip, baby. Be your hip. You're popping. All right, folks. They say it's time for us to take another break and pay some bills. We are having a ball here tonight with Brother Larry Kahn. Listen to his excellent stories from his days playing days with the University of Georgia Bulldogs. We will be back with even some more tales and stories. This may be a four-part series, a documentary, <laughs> We're mini, already mini doc. We're already hitting two hours. Loving it. All right, y'all stay tuned. Here's a word from our sponsors. Buell Martin Barbershop is your one-stop barber for all your men's grooming needs. Stop in for that Buell special. You'll get a straight razor shave and a haircut topped off with your choice of either witch hazel or vitalis. For all you pickers out there, Buell stock some strings and picks for them guitars and banjos. That's Bill Martin Barbershop on Highway 9 in South Coal Mountain. If you see Piedmont, you done gone too far. Thank you for calling Village Cinema. Showing this week is Smokey and the Bandit, starring Mark Reynolds. Showtimes are 7 and 9 p.m. And Sundays, 3, 5, 7, and 9. Village Cinema. Next to Gigi's in Lanier Village Shopping Center. 887-8855 for movies and showtimes. Thank you. Back once again, this is The Crossing Where the Music Meets Memories. Coal Mountain Cow, Coal Mountain Larry Kahn, and... (laughs) Semi Cole Mountain Chris Cheatham here, <laughs> sitting here talking old football tales and just loving every minute of it, Chris. I'm excited. Kick off two weeks away, baby. Less than two be, weeks, Chris. Great. Less than two weeks. But okay, hey, we get we get tech and <laughs> we get to watch tech on Thursday night though. You know, oh we, yeah. Okay, we'll so. get to that. <laughs> Got Miami in Florida Saturday Amen. night. Somewhere. Coach Dooley, Coach Russell. Just I don't know. Can you put even put into words what those they, taught, taught you and at life values? Not just not to mention football skills and how to play. Yeah, um, Coach Dooley taught us that uh, your life should be regimented, and that uh, discipline would take you a long ways as far as uh, undertaking of a job, wherever it was a job or whatever in your life. Uh, he preached it, and you learned it. Uh, Coach Russell was the um, type person that uh, you had so much respect for, but yet, you know, in your heart, he was your friend. And if anything were to come up or you needed somebody, Coach Russell was there. He he worked the tar out of you. But it was the kind of work that... Uh, um, you wanted to do if he asked you to tear down the block wall around the practice field you'd go you'd go find a way to do it um we had a drill called a seven on seven drill and uh the uh seven defensive linemen and ends lined up against the offensive seven and uh they would run a play and uh the play would not be over until all seven of the defensive players was on the pile 
and he a lot of times would pile on top. <laughs> and the whole time he was doing that, he was hollering at us, get this, here they come, here they come, get, you got to get to the ball, get to the ball. That's how that head gets skinned up, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he'd dive on that pile and he'd say, crap, let's do it again. This, <laughs> this, this was awful. Yeah. And, and you're so, going to do it again. You're going to do it again, that's right. And Where did Eric play? Where? Yeah, did Auburn. He, did, he played at Auburn. He played, he played, at played all college ball at Auburn. At Auburn, exactly. There was, um, let's see, uh, Coach Pyburn and Coach Russell and Coach Dooley, uh, they all played at Auburn. Coach Bill Dooley, uh, he played at uh, Mississippi State. And John Donaldson played at Georgia. So, uh, you know, they, you know, they brought in a lot right. to us. And uh, you got to wonder if the players today respect and hold respect, and as they do, as as you guys did to your coaches, as they do now. I mean, Chris, I, I really wonder about that because to me, they don't seem as close to those coaches as we were. Got too but, many distractions out the outside world. Around. Yeah, they really Not like do. Really had. And see, their their mindset, the uh, the ones that actually do the playing, their mindset is is that of the NFL. I mean, they just that's all they think about. That's just like I mean, I I can't imagine. Not going to a bowl game or going to a bowl game and saying I'm not going to play because I'm afraid I'll get hurt and not and not get played and in not the get NFL. and not get playing in the NFL. Yeah, I mean I just find that so hard to believe. And the way I feel about it is, they are backing away from their teammates because it, like I say, when we were there, it was it was a brotherhood. I mean, you loved each other. If you went out to a fraternity party and somebody started a fight and they started to fight with one of the football players. They got the whole team. They had the whole team to whip. <laughs> Hell they didn't they didn't have That'd to be whip. It was a bad out. day. As yeah. a bad day. Cause you <laughs> you had people like, Except for Lawhorn, because he's in the library. <laughs> Law, yeah, Lawhorn, he no, he wouldn't have been in the fraternity. And you got people like Ronnie Jenkins and uh, Heavy Hayes and people like that. Whew, man, you don't want to mess with them. You don't. You you don't want to mess with them. Now, have you got a uh, speaking, well, speaking of Irk? Have you got a favorite pregame speech that you can remember? He gave y'all about any games. Any anything stand out above the other ones? <laughs> well, it, the thing that stood out to me that uh, one thing I never hardly could understand was. That uh, if the defense would c come off the field, he would always get us over on the side, talk to us, explain to us what we were doing, what to look for, and they are doing this, and this is what's hurting us the most, and this is the way we're going to do it. Um, and then he would, uh, if we would get, say, two touchdowns, three touchdowns ahead, he would, you know, substitute, let us sit out. But if anything, anything that happened, if they got a first down, he'd turn and he'd say one. That man would get you ass on the field. Because, you know, they had gotten the first down and they weren't going any further. 
He didn't. He wasn't gonna stand for that. No, absolutely. And it's all he had to do was turn around and put that finger up and say one. <laughs> and that's Big a, part of the reason why what <laughs> sixty five, six, and seven defense was in the top ten. Always. And one, one was it sixty six? They barely averaged above ten points a game on y'all. Right. Exactly. Which is unheard of today. Probably. Oh yeah, in this day and time, it yeah. really is. There's no yeah. telling. That would be hard to top. Oh yeah. These days. Yeah, and he he'd al he'd always have something funny to tell us. He'd tell us stories and. He yeah. always called y'all men too, didn't he? Always. He'd he'd always address us as men, men this, men that. Uh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. And uh, one of the funniest things I ever heard him say. Well, we. We always watched the film of whether it was a scrimmage or a ball game, whatever. But uh, during spring practice, it's when we would study film a lot. And uh, you were always in your position in a room, and that's all you, you looked at was just the ends and linebackers. And uh, sometimes we would come together, and he would critique us as we went along. And we had a guy from... Atlanta. His name was John Montesinos. He only played a couple of years, and then he kind of eased on out. Uh, Coach Russell kept telling Montesinos, "You got to stay low. You got to stay low." And uh, about halfway through the film, he said, "Montesinos, real loud." John said, "Yes, sir." He said, hell, you like giraffe balls. You're too high. <laughs> <laughs> and it just cracked the whole, the whole room. The whole room just cracked. Broke up the tension. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's always telling uh, us stories and, you know, and saying funny things. And, and we, we loved him. And he always smoked a cigar. And... uh before the tag game in 66, we asked Coach Russell, I said, uh, our, is Jerry Varnado and Stanfield Patton and myself and uh, a couple of more that uh, was talking to him. And we said, Coach Russell, if we beat Tech, can we smoke a cigar with you? <laughs> he said, man, if y'all beat Tech, he says, I'll light the thing for you. <laughs> we said, okay, so we... <laughs> Uh, after the ball game, we were we were in the dressing room, and most of us were naked. And uh, <laughs> we were sitting on the bench, you know, and we said, Coach Russell, where's the cigars? Well, he come in with a box of cigars, and he started giving them out, and he was lighting them all for us, and we were all just pulling on them, and uh, I blew a damn ring at him. <laughs> He said, Con, I can see you're not a virgin on a cigar. <laughs> there again, that part where I said the good, the good uncle. Yeah, the good yeah, uncle, that, yeah. That sees, sees your uh, indiscretions and just kind of lets them go, but it That's keeps right. you in line anyway. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Now, I you, mentioned, you mentioned there about beating tech. That's a good lead-in. Uh, we were talking earlier. I've always you know, wondered about this, uh, the, the hatred that Georgia fans have for Tech fans and vice versa. And and, and and that existed then just as much. Oh, yeah. Gosh, yeah. It was probably, I would say, more hatred then than it is now because it's more, it was more of an equal um, game. 
you're more on the playing field, same playing field back then. That's right. And, and uh, the recruiting is done now so far away. You've got people coming in all over the country. And back then you had uh, a lot of your Atlanta games for people that were playing for both sides. Uh, they were just... Uh, I know Jimmy Cooley was a, a very good friend of mine. He went to Avondale High School. And uh, there was a, a boy played at Tech named Tommy Carlisle. And Tommy and, and Spade were very, very close friends. And I got to know Tommy. And, uh, you know, outside the football realm, I once mean... Once those 60 minutes were over. Once, yeah, outside the football, I mean, you were great friends i mean you'd put your arm around them at a dance or something and you know just have fun but uh but that 60 minutes whenever you were at Grandfield, they were in athens i mean it was pure hatred you didn't have any use for them or the people that cheered for them or <laughs> their mamas not their much mamas. has changed <laughs> no it has changed no no at all but i don't i don't think the intensity now with that game is what it used to be. I mean, it it used to be in my day. I mean, it was pure hate. And you never lost a take. No, sir. I never lost a game to take. As a matter of fact, I don't think I was ever behind take because uh, we scored in all three games that I played in. We scored first, and uh, never were behind them. But they were they were always pretty close games though. Uh, I was never a runaway. Yeah, we were talking earlier that '66 game. It came down to probably whoever won that game was going to have the best shot at the national championship. That's right, exactly. They were ranked high, and y'all were as well. Yes, they were. They were ranked at the time. They were third in the nation and undefeated. Uh, the only teams that were uh, ranked ahead of them was Michigan State and Notre Dame, and then there was Tech. And uh, before the game, we had lost one game, but uh, when the lines came out uh, for the game, we were a three-point favorite, but we never could figure that out. But we knew we couldn't lose to them. Eric said, Eric said you weren't going to. No, he said, uh, he said, men. <laughs> he said, men. He said, the, the Georgie Tech. That's what he said. <laughs> the Georgie Tech. The Georgie Tech. <laughs> He says, uh, <laughs> we won't lose to them. I'll tell you that right now. We will not lose to them. That same conversation is probably held every year in Athens. I'm, I'm sure it is because it's... You don't. I know. And I, I, a lot of times, I, I don't understand how they get beat. I don't, I don't see how they, they let them beat them. I mean, they were always easy to get to, to tackle when you tackle them. They weren't hard to tackle and... You know, they didn't hit real hard. At least I didn't think they did. And somebody uh, played for Tech might hear this and say, Hell, I'll get a con. He ain't that good. <laughs> but, uh, good old-fashioned hate. It was, exactly. Now, see this? I have a grandson that goes to Auburn, and I tell him all the time, I say, I say Grant, I says, I don't dislike Auburn. University of, I don't dislike Auburn University. 
I despise Auburn football. <laughs> With everything you I got. I says, I cannot stand them. I and said, that goes for Tech, that goes for Tennessee, goes for Tennessee Alabama. Alabama. I got used for none of them. Uh, wrapping it up, let's... Uh, grandkids, you've got several of them. Yes, I Proud have. of all of them. I've got nine I got of them. I'm the same way. I don't put one above the other one. That's correct. But you've got one that's about to go play some college football. Is that still correct? That's correct. Now, uh, how does that make a grandpa feel to carry something on like that? Um, I know great. you're proud. I'm very proud. I'm very proud of what Connor has accomplished in high school. And now he's going to Maryville College in Tennessee. And uh, I just I pray for him. And I pulled for him, and I told him, I said, son, I said, um, whatever you do, you've got to give it 110%. 100% will not get you through it. Because everybody can give that. I said, everybody can give 100%, but you've got to give 110%. And I told him, uh, I talked to him about a week or so ago, and I told him, I said, whenever a coach tells you to do something, you do it, and you do it just exactly the way he tells you to do it. And you always say, yes, sir, to everything he says. You never, never say no to him. And you just have total respect for the coach, and it'll take you a long way. Let the chips fall. That's exactly right. Closing comments, Chris. You had any quick questions? I have no questions. I well, no. I mean, Larry and I, we've had so many conversations. <laughs> I know, we've heard it all. I mean, we've... <laughs> Steve says the tape is running out before. We don't even have tape. <laughs> That's right. Irk uh, and uh, Coach Steele had a lot of All-Americans back in those days, defensive-wise. Jake Scott being one of them. Scott, yeah, Jake was... was a, crazy, wasn't he? Yes. Was he crazy? Did he have a yes. lick of sense? No. Tell him about the time you were... Uh, the Sunday morning when Dooley seen him <laughs> right quick. Well, the... the uh, on Sunday morning after one of the games, I can't remember which one it was, uh, Coach Dooley was going to his local uh, 7-Eleven in Athens to get his newspaper, Sunday morning newspaper, and it was about uh, 5, 5.30 in the morning. And whenever he got to the place, the 7-Eleven he was going to, uh, he saw Brad Johnson and Jake Scott coming out, and he could tell that they had been up pretty late. <laughs> and it was after a ball game, and see, there's curfews. Yeah. We, we had curfews. Well, that really, really upset Coach Dooley, and he kicked them off the team, and he suspended them for uh, the Houston game. And see, that was one reason, too, that... Uh, Things didn't go Things well. Things didn't go well in Houston because we I.e. Pinky. Yeah. That's right. I thought this was a... So the motorcycle story we were talking about is a little different. It's that a little different. Jake, Jake, was, was Jake on there too, though? Scott was Of course in, he was. Scott was involved with that. Uh, Scott brought a motorcycle to school. Most people bring a car. Scott brings a motorcycle and a car to Athens. And so he just rode it around, uh, you know... <laughs> the campus and so forth, like Jake would do. And uh, Steve Greer was hurt. And uh, no, no, I take that back. Kent Lawrence was hurt. And so he asked Scott to take him over to the scholars to see him 
on Sunday morning to get, you know, the therapy therapy and get worked on as far as his injury was concerned. And uh, they were coming down uh, in front of the Coliseum and Coach Dooley pulled up in his car at the same time. Well, it just scared the hell out of them. And Scott turned the motorcycle, hit the curb. The motorcycle went on the ground. There goes your all-American sprawling out. Yeah. And, well, excuse me, Greer was driving. Okay. And Lawrence was on the back. And when the bike went down, Lawrence jumped off the motorcycle and ran <laughs> to make word of haul as fast as he could. And he was there to have a hamstring worked on. Healed in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Coach Dooley says he's never seen anybody as fast. <laughs> with a bad hamstring. With a bad hamstring. And he said that Greer was still on the motorcycle, on the pavement, trying to get it stopped. And he was going around in circles. And when he finally got it stopped, he said he had to help Greer into the drain room because he was tore all to pieces eating up that concrete. <laughs> and that's that's the honest truth. Life in the SEC. Yes. That's, real, that's, real quick before we, we go, before we end this thing, but what do you think about this year's season and uh, what Georgia's got to offer? I think really and truly Georgia has probably one of the toughest schedules they have had in a while. Um, they have Notre Dame early. They've got Missouri, which is a very improved team, but they got them in Athens. Texas A&M is a very, very good team. Uh, we've got them in Athens. Uh, Florida scares me more this year than they have in the past three or four years. Uh, and they they really want to beat Georgia because they haven't beat them in, what, four years? Yeah, yeah. they all want a piece. Yes, yes, they do. And you put all that together and... Starting after the Notre Dame game, we played nothing but SEC schools until the Tech game, and that's when we get a break. So we'll see. Oh yeah, it's going to be a you tough want... schedule, yep. and they they're going to have to play. They're going to have to play their best ball this year because Tennessee's better. It's just and it's up there, so it's going to be a tough season. But uh, it depends entirely on injuries and breaks. Uh, you know, in 1980, whenever we won the national championship game, uh, look at the Florida game. Florida had us beat Lindsey Scott. A freak, really a freak play that ended up winning the ball game. So you have to have things like that happen to you in order to win a national championship. Stars has got to be in line. Every, everything's got to be in line. It's going to be interesting. Well, I'm sure Kirby will be listening to this oh, podcast. No doubt. He calls, yeah. he calls every other day. I mean, yeah. Checks in on things. Yeah. Everybody oh, knows. gosh. One more story, and I swear this is the last one. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> you were, I guess you may have been red-shirting because you told me you knew you weren't going to play in that game. Is it the Georgia-Florida game? Oh, yeah. And you had yeah. your buddy come yeah. back. Con, yeah. you want a drink with me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you stand there with your helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we went in at halftime. Uh, at Florida, and it was hot that day. It really was. And, of course, the uh, the room was not air-conditioned, and it was swelteringly hot in there. So the coaches 
started telling everybody to, you know, the ones that weren't going to play or anything to, you know, go outside and stand. And uh, so we went out there and we were standing there. And this uh, good friend of mine, it was a fraternity brother's name, which was, um, God, what was his name? Anyway, Albert Jakes was his name. Shout out to Albert if you're listening out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he comes up to me. And he says, Con, he says, I know you're not going to play any. He said, take a little sip of this for me. <laughs> I said, Jakes, I can't do that. Ah, oh, come on. He said, Lord of mercy. You too good to drink with me? Yeah, yeah. He said, he said, he said, come on, just take a little sip with me. He said, we'll celebrate. He said, you ain't going to play none. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Amber, I cannot do it. I can't. I can't. And I can't was look at you. I was looking look at around saying, move on, move on. <laughs> and come to find out something had happened to the bottle he had. And the top of it had broken, and he was straining his drink through his necktie <coughs> into his cups. As he because he don't want to get glass in there. That's right, exactly. So he was real smart. <laughs> you A genius. That, you ain't gonna get that on the ESPN podcast. <laughs> see, back then, back then, uh, go to the Georgia Florida game. I mean, people would carry coolers in. You said you could smell the liquor once you turned the bridge on the bus. Oh, yeah, yeah. That and far away. Lord of mercy, Back yeah. in the day. And God, I, I mean, that game is just so tradition. I really hope they don't change it, take it out of Jacksonville. Quick I, question, would you or would you not? All things equal. Um, I would. Would? Yeah. You take it out of Jacksonville? Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, because this... Uh, there is a difference. I don't care what people say. Say a neutral field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a neutral field. But they forget we have to travel, what, a little further. 500 miles, Yeah, 450 miles. Mm -hmm. And they travel, what, 35 or 40 miles. And uh, it, there is a difference. A lot of variables. Oh, yeah, exactly. And um, I'd, I'd love to see them in Athens. Yeah. Because... Uh, you know, it's just, there's nothing like playing between the hedges now, I'm telling you. Well, we may get that. Yeah. It, it wouldn't surprise We may get that next year. It would not surprise me because I think Kirby wants to uh, change it to have home and home. And, you know, it's... It is what it is. It is what it is. You got it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we're that's the only... Well, if you look really throughout the whole country... Uh, the only other neutral field is the Oklahoma-Texas game in the Cotton Bowl. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me for them to change that, especially whenever they start getting uh, equal and uh, playing for national honors and so forth. It's, well, it makes a difference. Making that change ain't got nothing to do with getting people excited about college football. No, Don't take because, much. I mean, you, you know, we... Me being a NASCAR fan, watching uh, Bristol this weekend, mm -hmm. and, and, and people just don't get into NASCAR like they used to. No. People are all mad at NFL. Wrestling's I mean, you know. gone downhill. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can't get a good mask wrestler no more. No, no, no absolutely not. But I'm here to tell Still you, got college, college football is exciting. It is keen. See, that's, that was always my ambition as a little boy. I always wanted to play college football. 
and I wanted to be good, and I wanted a college education. I, I mean, I was drafted by the New York Giants. I did not sign with them because I was not finished with school. Coach Dooley told me right after I was drafted, he told me, he said, Larry, he said, I know you've been drafted by the Giants. And he says, this is what I'll do for you. If you decide not to go into pro football, I will leave you on scholarship as long as it takes for you to get your degree. And the only thing I ask you to do is come help us coach. And I said, Coach Dooley, that's all I wanted to hear. Couldn't ask for nothing better than that. No, absolutely not. Bird in the hand, two in the bush. That's right. Exactly. And, and whenever uh, Coach Jim Lee Howell from the Giants came down to Athens to talk to me, and I told him, you know, I said, Coach Howell, I, I'll tell you, this is what I'll take in order to uh, make, sign a with, make a difference to sign with the Giants because I've got to have enough to pay my way to right. college in the off season. So, you know, he went back and, you know, they said they couldn't do it. And I says, well, I appreciate you coming down. And It's a different time back then. Oh, and yeah. if that had not happened, he probably wouldn't be here with me. <laughs> I mean, think of the worm. Think of one little thing like that. Yeah, you got it. Miss this. I've enjoyed myself. Have you enjoyed yourself, Absolutely. Chris? Absolutely. Producer Steve, going. I mean, really did you have it. fun with this? I sure did. <laughs> He's just been sitting there listening, watching football. Yeah. Right Braves are off tonight. I'm good. That's right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I think I'm, Steve always has me title the show or something. I think I'm just going to put title this one, Damn Good Dog, because that's, that's right. what you are. It's great to and be you're a better, Georgia you're a better, Even better than that, you're a better man and a better friend, and we appreciate you. Yes, And sir. we love you. Love y'all, too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Folks, thank you for great. tuning in to The Crossing. We hope we have kept your attention for these couple hours. I mean, <laughs> it flew by for us. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to uh, producer Steve Thompson for... Yeah, thank you, Steve. Arranging our phone calls, all of our stuff that we had going on, our special guest, Tommy Lawhorn. Yeah. And uh, that was, that our very nice. special guest, all SEC defensive lineman, Larry Kahn. Thank you, guys. Brother Steve, take us to the house. The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Due South Productions, high atop the Doc Holcomb Building in downtown Coal Mountain, and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Coal Mountain Cal Hurd. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing.